some people that I've had to meet with in the last couple of years, like lawyers. Um, first of all, I'll tell you a little about myself. I grew up in San Antonio with four brothers. I'm in the middle, uh, loving parents. Uh, I thought they seemed a little nomadic at times because we moved 10 times before seventh grade. And there was, I mean, my mom just, she was a decorator, designer. She owned a store in Lubbock and opened one in San Antonio. So she was always just driven to redo and be, oh, she was the most creative person I've ever seen. Hardest working woman with five children. Uh, my dad traveled a lot, S but uh, we always belonged to a Baptist church <laughs> wherever we moved. And I can remember my dad taking us to church so many times to Trinity Baptist in San Antonio. And mom would stay home and cut up two whole chickens and fry them. And we'd get home with my four brothers and food would be gone. There was no food <laughs> left with these boys. There was always a shortage of food, it seemed like, with four brothers. But uh, we've, so I felt very fortunate, but I also thought, this is crazy, all this moving. But it taught me so much. It taught me to adapt to new situations. And it gave me a whole lot of uh, ability to meet strangers. And I never walked into a room that I felt uncomfortable with new people. So fast forward the next 50 years of my life. Graduated, got married, married a second year medical student. So I was in Dallas having, starting our family. And uh, God became my husband because mine was very busy with all that internship, residency and all that. But I was so thankful that I got to go to a Bible study with a friend and uh, it opened it just opened up all kinds of new, amazing trust that God was going to carry me through the rest of my life. And he has. But the uh, so we raised three children and over a 10 year period, seven babies were born. So now I have eight grandbabies. Uh, and, you know, when you're a mom, you go through so much trauma with your children, and all you want is to have peace and quiet, and you want everybody to be safe. But it's really through the rough times that you grow so much. And we went through some unexpected trauma in our uh, children's lives with an eating disorder, lots of broken bones, and but nothing drastic until two years ago when I was faced with an unexpected divorce after 46 years of marriage. And my children rallied around me, and we used a book called The Red Sea Rules to help us get through uh, exactly what God had intended. He didn't cause it, but he used it. And all I can say is he has blessed us as a family. We are closer than we've ever been with my children and grandchildren, and uh, I feel like I've been given beauty for ashes is the only way I can look at any of this. Um, so I thank God's 
faithfulness is what I count on every day. I see his fingerprints all over my days. And those days when I get a little weepy because it's only natural to have these feelings that are so human, but goodness, he lifts me up just so often. And and it's not my faithfulness to him, but his to me. He just says, trust me, trust me. I've got you in the palm of my hand. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Tricia. That is a, a perfect story to begin today, actually, uh, to see God's blessing even in the unexpected. Uh, let's pray before we begin. God, I thank you for bringing us here, and I know you have a purpose uh, for having us here. Uh, today we will um, talk about and remember your faithfulness in our lives, even in the midst of the times that we are not faithful and those around us are not. And I ask that you will show up today, as you always do, and that you will speak your word to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's begin. So does anybody know what this is? Have you ever seen it? So I've never actually seen it in person. I hope to someday. I have some friends that took their family, the five of them, to go to Yellowstone National Park last summer. That's what this is. This is a geyser in Yellowstone National Park. There are actually many. But this one is by far the most popular one. It's the most studied. It is the most known. It is the most visited. It's called, as you know, Old Faithful, right? Uh, the first recorded official discovery of Old Faithful happened in 1870. I'm sure that peoples that lived near there before that knew of Old Faithful, but that was the first time it was officially discovered, recorded, studied, and actually named. There was an expedition called the Washburn Expedition, 12 guys who were sent to Yellowstone National Park, and they studied and mapped, actually in detail, several places in Yellowstone, not just Old Faithful. But <clears throat> they, at that time, they saw this geyser. They named it Old Faithful. Now, it's not the largest geyser in Yellowstone National Park. It's not the most frequent. It doesn't spout out the most water. But it is, they did name it Old Faithful. And the reason why they said this, they said, they named it Old Faithful because they noticed that it erupted consistently and predictably. What they said is nearly every hour when they saw it. Turns out they were not wrong. Old Faithful, in its recorded history now, it's 150 years, has erupted over a million times, and scientists have studied it. And they have, you can go to the park, and they can tell you within 90% accuracy within 10 minutes of the next time it will erupt. Right? There are graphs. I had so much fun. I'm a scientist, and I have an engineering degree, and I loved studying all about Old Faithful. It was really fun. Um, what they found is that, on average, Old Faithful erupts 21 to 23 times every day. Every day. That's nearly every hour. 21 to 23 times every day. So this week we are studying, studying faithfulness. We're studying the one true old faithful. The one that is perfectly and flawlessly old faithful. We will come back to the geyser old faithful a little bit later. But so as we begin today on God is faithful and God's faithfulness, I want to do what I often do, and that is just to define faithfulness. Um, Today, I use the definition that is exactly in our study because many of the definitions in the dictionary follow these kind of simple rules. And faithfulness seems to be 
in a person. It's uh, someone who is loyal, who is constant, staunch, steadfast. They have an unswerving adherence to a person. They never falter. They never fail. They never leave. They're always there. There is this, there is this adherence to a person that is somehow surrounded in faithfulness. Also, the definition of faithfulness is this adherence to an oath. Someone who always keeps their promises. Covenant, actually, is a word that we see a lot in our study this week. A covenant is a promise. It's a promise. Someone who always keeps their promises. <clears throat> Why is Old Faithful named the way it is? Right? Because Old Faithful is faithful to do what they saw it would do. Erupt nearly every hour. And it's done it for a million eruptions. So what does it mean that God is faithful? What is God faithful to? Well, he's faithful to these two things that we see here. He's loyal, constant, staunch, steadfast, unswerving in his adherence to a person. Who is that? That's, that's us. It's his people. He's also unswerving in his adherence to his oath, to his promise. And there is so much that I studied about faithfulness this week, and we're not going to get through it. They've told me 20 minutes. So I am such a talker, that's going to be really hard. So I am not going to cover it all. You guys will get to a lot of this in your lesson, but I, what I wanted to... What I wanted to talk about today is God's adherence to his promises. Because actually his adherence to us is all wrapped up in his adherence to his promises. God is faithful always to do what he says he will do. So that actually kind of, we have to ask the question, what does God even promise? Right? Do we know what God promises? Well, we see that in our scriptures this week. Right? We uh, see that any of us that have had a relationship with God throughout our lives, we see that God promises us things. And this week, we, we see the story of Abraham. right? And we see that Abraham, God comes to him and says, your wife Sarah, Sarai, I'm going to name her Sarah, and she is going to have a child. Well, what we don't see, we do see it a little bit in the last verse about Abraham. What we don't see is the initial promise that God gave to Abraham. Back then, his name was Abram. And it was long before he had any children. God takes him outside and he says, I want you to look at the stars in the sky. God, I mean, Abraham had just asked God, how am I going to have an heir? This random guy is going to inherit my whole fortune. I don't have a kid. And so God takes him outside at night. And he says, I want you to look at the stars. Here's what it says in Genesis 15:5. Look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, so shall your offspring be. That's what God promised Abram many years ago. And at least, well, a long time has passed, right? We know that he had Ishmael. They sort of took matters into their own hands. And Hagar, Sarah said, here, take Hagar and have a child with her. That must be what God means. And that is at least 14 years ago, but it's been a long time. And it's actually impossible now for them to have a child. And that's when God comes and he fulfills his promise. He says, I'm going to give you exactly what I promised. And what's funny is that Sarah laughs, right? Someone today, when, I, when we were talking about this, someone said, you know, when God promises you something, each of us has these things in our lives, these individual promises that God has given to us as we've encountered him through our lives. Each of us has one. And when God fulfills it, it's almost like this joke between us and God, right? Like, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, only you could have done that. Only you could have known that. It was this joke between them, like, ah, okay, now... Now you're going to give us this child. It's, um, we all have those things. 
This particular promise was one that God made to Abraham personally. And I'm sure that all of us in our lives have those things that God has promised us personally. And we got to listen, we got to remember all of those stories this week. And I can't wait for you to get to your, your groups and talk about those things, the places where you remembered God's faithfulness. He also has probably promised you things that haven't come true yet. But you can be sure that he is faithful to fulfill his word and his promise to you. Those are these individual promises, and we see those in the scripture this week. But also, what does God promise us corporately? Well, we have a whole book, right? An entire book of God promising us things. And these are his corporate promises to us. Does it say in here, your life's going to be free from trouble? No. As a matter of fact, it <laughs> says the opposite. In this world, you will have trouble, is what it says. But take heart, I have overcome the world. There are so many promises in this book. I can't, I can't list them all, and I'm not going to. But um, I, even a few. You, let's say you just do a, a study in the, in the morning. Let's say you do a devotional. You might have one where God says, to this morning, he said to me, don't be anxious about anything, right? But in prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts. What is it that God promises us? I know that you could make a whole list, but I just wanted to highlight a few that as I studied this week, and I, the reason I highlighted some of these were partly because we're in the season of Lent. It is a season where we return to God, where we reflect on God, and we reflect on who God is and what he's kind of corporately big picture promised all of us. The first one is this. He says that he will forgive our sins and that he will let us return to him. That actually is what Lent is about. Lent is a time when we put on those ashes and we remember the places in our lives where we have tried to take matters into our own hands, where we've said, nah, I don't need you, God, I've got this, and we become our own God, or we put our trust in things that aren't him, and we've turned from him. And what God promises us over and over in Scripture, and you, you, these are on the, you don't need to write all these down. You can go look them up later, but he says that he's faithful to forgive our sins. As a matter of fact, the very first verse there, the Luke 15 passage, it's the story of the prodigal son. And the father and the prodigal son is a picture of who God is for us. When we have literally turned our back on him, we've taken all of the blessings we've given him, that he's given us and we've squandered them elsewhere. And we feel like we have no place left to go. That's where we often go. And we come back to God and instead of him removing his relationship from us and saying, I told you so. What does he do? He's waiting for us and he runs. That's the picture of God. He runs and he comes back out to meet us. I've heard it several times now over the last uh, few months that Satan, he knows our name, but he calls us by our sin. God, he knows our sins, but he calls us by our name. And on those times when we wander, he actually gives us a new name even. He knows exactly who we are and who he's making us into, and he is faithful every single time we return to him, every single time, to forgive us and bring us right back into relationship with him and into all of his blessings. Every single time. He never fails. There's not a person in our lives that's able to do that, but God does. He also promises us that he'll be with us, that he will never leave us. One of these scriptures in here is, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The very first one, Genesis 39, 21, that's when Joseph, if you remember Joseph, we've studied him earlier this year and also in, in past lamplighters. Joseph is kind of the golden child 
and his brothers are really jealous of him. His dad gives him this really cool coat, and he goes out to tell his brothers, I had a dream, and you guys are all going to bow down to me someday, and which does come true, by the way. Um, his brothers sell, sell him into slavery, and at one point, he is um, imprisoned wrongfully. He's accused of doing something he didn't do, right? And it's a pretty awful. If you just look at that snapshot of Joseph's life, it's pretty hopeless. It seems pretty impossible that anything that God promised for him is going to come true. But it says this, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and he granted him favor. God promises us that no matter where we are, no matter the snapshot of our life right now, he is right there with us. That all we have to do is turn. He does not leave us. He's always by our side. He does not leave us. God also promises that he'll fight for us. That's all over scripture. You can see many, many stories of sort of battles. Even uh, there's a battle that Elisha is in with, with they're all surrounded by kings, but actually, and, and the, the leader of the army is terrified that they are going to be defeated. And Elisha prays, God, please open his eyes. And he sees chariots of God's angel army surrounding them to defeat them. God will fight for us. This Psalm 46, 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. God goes before us. He fights for us. We are always frantically trying to fix things in our lives, but God promises that he, the battle is his. Those things that feel impossible, those things that we can't possibly even see how it's going to work out, although we try, he tells us, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then the last one that I listed here, and again, there are many, and I'm not going to try to get them, but we would be here for two hours or more. So, and I've only got 20 minutes. So, um, he provides a way for our salvation. We also studied that this week, right? In the, in the Psalm passage, it says this, uh, Psalm 111, 1 through 10. I love this. I actually loved what happened in, when, we, when we did this study this week. In verse 9, it says, he provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant there's that word promise, covenant, forever. And then the very next verse that we studied is Jesus in the garden saying, God, please take this cup from me. Not my will, but your will. We see literally a, the, I mean, a lot of years have passed between these two verses, but that is God's way of providing salvation and redemption for his people. He had a plan all along in Jesus to provide a way that we could be with him, that we could be in relationship with him because we actually can't do it on our own. We've tried and his people tried for centuries and he tried to set up ways for them to be with him, but Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of that promise. Second, I mean, the Second Corinthians 5.21 says this. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become right with God or the righteousness of God. That was God's plan all along and we see that ultimate these are these corporate promises that God makes to us. So this is an easy list, right? I don't know. As a matter of fact, one of the things I read when I was studying this week said, so whenever we fret, whenever we worry, whenever we look at tomorrow with sad anxiety, we are, um, we are not remembering the faithfulness of God. So it's really lucky that never, none of us ever do that, right? <laughs> But we do, and there are actually really valid reasons for that. I love that even in the scriptures that we had this week, we see the humanness of Jesus. That sometimes when we're in the midst of these ups and downs and it looks like evil is going to win or it looks like there's no way out, 
that um, we can come to God, but we sometimes forget. We forget his faithfulness. And I, I, I want to read you something I read this week. It says, there are seasons in, li- in the lives of all of us when it is not easy to believe that God is faithful. Our faith is sorely tried. Our eyes are filled with tears. Our ears are distracted with the noises of the world. Our cherished plans have been thwarted. Our friends on whom we relied have failed us. We sought to be faithful to God, but now a dark cloud hides him from us. We all have these times in our lives. You may not be in one right now, but you can remember a time when you were. And so as we were studying this week, one of our last questions was, how can you remember to be faithful to God? But I wanted to ask us this question, and that is, what helps you remember that God is faithful to you? Because it may be that you're in a season right now where you can't see it or you can't remember it. Or you may be in a season where everything's going really great and and you've just kind of forgotten God and left him behind and tried to fix all these things on your own. Either way, we forget. And God um, wants to draw us back to him. And so I just made a list of a few things. The first thing is, and this is pointed to all over scripture, God's faithfulness is shown in nature. Right? Scripture talks about the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun. There are even old faithful. Or you can't actually even be in central Texas in March and not remember God's faithfulness. Right? Just drive out to the hill country soon, and you will see God's faithfulness of something, the blue bonnets that come every year. I was walking to my office, and I got out of my car, and I smelled a familiar smell. And I know you know what it is, those purple flowers, the mountain laurels. It happens for only like two weeks, but every time I smell those mountain laurels, I stop. God is faithful. He has set up his faithfulness in nature. He shows it to us over and over if we just stop to remember. Also, one of the ways that we remember that God is faithful is through his scripture. As a matter of fact, um, you know how we're supposed to write all these, um, what other scriptures come to mind when you think of God's faithfulness, right? Someone... Well, someone told me that, first of all, there are 97 impossible situations in the Bible that God fulfills. But also, you could just list people's names. You could start with Abraham. You could do Joseph. You could talk about Sarah. You could talk about Hagar. You could talk about Hannah. There are so many examples in Scripture of God being faithful to his people, regardless of how they act. Right? Regardless of how they act, there are so many examples in Scripture of God's faithfulness. But if we never read it, if we never hear it, if we never come to church or remember or study it, we forget. The other way that we can remember God's faithfulness is to choose to regularly reflect and remember. Sometimes when we are in the midst of a place where we cannot see how God's going to work this out, we can stop and remember the places and the times. Remember it with a friend or even ask a friend or someone you love, Help me remember, when has God showed up before? And the last one that I thought of, and there are many others, is music. My daughter has a sign on her wall, and it says, when words fail, music speaks. And there are some times in our lives when God will remind us of his faithfulness through a song. Are there, and it may be a song that you have in mind right now, that as, as Trisha explained to us, there was a song that became her theme song when she was going through a time where she needed to know that God was with her and that he was going to work this out. 
And there may be songs that come to your mind. Listen to them. Remember them. Sometimes God just sends us a song, right? When we're walking into a certain meeting, he'll send us a song we need to hear. Also, our church right now is going through a, a um, kind of a, a prayer series. As, and this Sunday, the, the entire sermon was about praise, that we need to intentionally praise God in our prayers. And our staff actually made a playlist. It's, you can find it. I almost wrote it up here, but it's covenant.org slash playlist. It's on Spotify. You can go. It's two and a half hours of music, and I love it. As a matter of fact, on the way here, I was listening to a song, It Is Well. And it's a little different version, but it's wonderful. It is well. God is faithful. And these songs remind us of his faithfulness. So, I'm almost done. We, um, if you'll remember, we are studying two different kinds of attributes of God this year. Do you remember what they are? They're immutable and mutable, which are big words. It just means that one of them is the immutable attributes of God. Those are ones that belong to God only. God is infinite. That is, that is not us. God is all-powerful. That is not us. As a matter of fact, often the places we get into trouble in our lives are where we try to, when we believe that we are the things that only God is. When we start to think, I'm all-powerful, that's when we start to sin in our lives because we're taking on an attribute of God that only belongs to him. And then there are those that are mutable. That means that they're transferable to us, that God shows us something, and he expects us to try to live that same way. So we are to be faithful as he is faithful. We're to be faithful to him, first and foremost. So what does it look like for us to be faithful to God? Right? What, what can we possibly do? As a matter of fact, this, this uh, scripture, the Psalm 111, I love that someone pointed out that there are so many action verbs in this scripture about God's faithfulness, that he works, he's got acts, he saves, he redeems, he does all of these things. There's a ton of action verbs for God. There's one for us, it's praise, right? The way we are faithful to God is we keep showing up. We keep showing up in our relationship to him. There are seasons where we get too busy for God, and in those seasons, actually, we should be putting systems and habits in our lives that keep pointing us back to him. People who remind us, hey, we haven't had lunch in a while. We haven't done our prayer in a while. We come to church. We, we put systems and habits in our lives that keep pointing us back to God so that we can remain faithful to him. But also there are seasons where he doesn't, as the song says, he doesn't move the mountains that we wanted him to move, that we needed him to move. He doesn't part the waters that we wish we could walk through. And in those times, the faithfulness to God is a choice to trust anyway that that song talks about. We'll have both of those seasons in our life where we start to wander from God because we're too busy or we just, we don't see him. And in both of those times, it is a choice to be faithful to him. We're also supposed to be faithful to others. And um, I just want to read you something I read this week because it was beautiful. It's really beautiful. It says this about the life of faithfulness. The life of faithfulness is one in which we daily choose to place our hope in God with every ounce of certainty that he will not fail us. We choose it in matters large and small. So what does it look like? We use our time faithfully, not squandering it as those who serve only themselves. 
We use our gifts faithfully to bring glory to the one who gave them to us. We guard our thoughts faithfully, centering them on what is true, honest, just, pure, and lovely. We use our words faithfully to edify and encourage, to exhort and rebuke, to pray without ceasing. We are supposed to be faithful with our time, our gifts, our thoughts, our words. It's a really great list, isn't it? I was like, yes! I even wrote, this list is so good! Oh, I love it! I want to live like this. And then, of course, because I was studying faithfulness this week, I had 20,000 examples of places where I'm not faithful. I'm not kidding. There's I literally, I, I come out and I look at the fridge and I'm like, oh, I have a chart up there for my kids to do their chores. And then like on Sundays, we, we added up some of it's their allowance, some of it they earned extra. The, the date on the thing is from like October. I'm not kidding you. It's because we had soccer and basketball and things get in the way. And of course, I have not been faithful to this. And I don't even know the last time I gave them their allowance. I don't even know. Or I think about the email for the friend I didn't return or the thing at work I said I was going to do, that little thing. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. I never did it, right? I even, I even thought about the little pill that I'm supposed to give the dog on the 15th of the month. And now it's, what, the 4th? And I haven't given to her. It's, we are not faithful. As a matter of fact, and I don't read this list to make us feel bad because there is, as a matter of fact, even old faithful isn't faithful. I'm not kidding you. As I was studying about Old Faithful, there was, a, there was an earthquake in 1949, an earthquake that scientists seem to think it has irrevocably changed the pattern of Old Faithful. It used to be on average, sev every 74 minutes, Old Faithful would erupt. Now, that can be a big variation on any given day, from 60 minutes to 110 minutes. But on average, it was 74 minutes. And what they've noticed since the earthquake is that it's about 90 minutes now. So even Old Faithful isn't faithful. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Nothing is faithful in this life except for God. And so he does call us to be faithful as he is faithful, but don't get too wrapped around the axle when you aren't because he also is faithful to forgive us. And actually, he's the only one that can make us truly faithful. It's when we're in relationship to him. That first thing we have to do, we have to be faithful to him to ever be faithful to others. So, as I was studying this week, I opened up my message Bible. I don't have it with me. Um, and a letter fell out of it. It was a letter that my 13-year-old self wrote. And um, it was really interesting to read that letter. And I was going to share the story with you. And, and I decided, you know what? No, I'm not. Because first of all, we don't have time. And second of all, I want you to go to your small groups. Because there are myriad of examples of places where God has been faithful in your life. And my prayer for you is that God will show up this week and maybe, and when you open your Bible, a letter will fall out and remind you of whatever that faithfulness. That is just a story between me and God right now. But you all have them of the places where God, and that's my prayer is that he will remind you this week of the places he's been faithful. So I just wanted to end with these two questions instead. Where this week do you maybe need to claim or remember God's faithfulness to you in your life? Maybe you are in a season where you're trying to do it all on your own or you're in a season where you just can't see the way out. If so, I pray that you will ask God to remind you of his faithfulness to you in the past. And or maybe 
God is, as I was talking about the list of the 20,000 things I haven't been faithful to, maybe God put somebody in your mind. One of the ways God shows his faithfulness to us is through others. So he may have put someone in your head that you need to go and be faithful to, to call up and to say, hey, I've missed you. Or hey, you want to come to church? Or you want to go to coffee? I don't know, maybe he put that person in your brain. With his help, and if you're faithful to him first, he can help you to be faithful to that person or to that commitment. Okay, let's pray. God, I thank you for your faithfulness, for the ways that um, you show up in our lives over and over again, for the ways that your promise is true that nothing can snatch us out of your hand. I pray that you will bless our time in our small groups, that the sharing will be rich, that we will all actually just remind each other of the ways that we can count on you when everything else in life, even those people we thought we could count on, even those things that we thought would never fail, when they fail, you do not. I pray that throughout this week that you will send us back to you to remember your faithfulness and to turn our hearts to you again. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.